Oh boy, guys, I have some pretty bad news for you. Oh no, I don't like bad news. I know, I'm really sorry. But it's pretty bad, so it's kind of good? <laughs> no, it's fairly bad. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> so, we've had an apocalypse. Oh shit, that's why I can't get my pizza delivered. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's ever going to be pizza delivery like ever again. My weather report didn't say there was going to be an apocalypse. <laughs> I know, it was a surprise to all of us. Well, what type of apocalypse was it then? I actually don't know. Oh. I don't know if anybody knows. I thought you had all the answers. You're the guy with the news. I know, but nobody really knows what happened. Was it nuclear? Was it zombie? Was it viral? Oh, I was imagining like huge hellfire orbs. Yeah, maybe. We don't know. The world just came to some sort of conclusion. Like, yeah. Like our world subscription ended sort of thing. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Okay, well, uh, what do we do now? Well, here's the thing. Despite there being an apocalypse, <laughs> honestly, a lot of people survived. Oh. That's nice. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, though, and you're not going to be surprised by this, there's all kinds of wild tribes of loosely confederated individuals with similar ideologies or backstories that are now roving the wasteland. I didn't get invited to any tribes. Yeah, that, this actually happened really fast. <laughs> yeah. I know, it's crazy. But hey, exciting news. There's some really cool new gods. Oh, yeah? Oh. Yeah, there's a psychic communist. Okay, this is a lot to take in. <laughs> And there's an immortal warrior queen. Hmm. I can't tell which one I'd rather be ruled by. Do I have to pick? Well, the communist is kind of a jerk, unfortunately. Oh. Warrior queen time. And the warrior queen doesn't seem like much of a warrior. She's a queen, though? As far as I can tell. And she's immortal? That's what they say. I haven't seen any evidence of it, but... I guess everybody needs something to believe in. But hey, we got to pick one of these, so I say we go with the Immortal Queen. Sounds good to me. She, 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 she. she called she anyway why doesn't she have Social a name commentary. Uh -huh. uh, it's very it's very sophisticated my name is a pronoun <laughs> i mean it's kind of based okay <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard of he man or she ra well they couldn't call <laughs> pokemon <it> <laughs> go to the polls <laughs> they changed this movie so much they could have changed her name no nah. 
the Pokemon <laughs> Go to the polls was like a ballistic device. <laughs> and like I said before, the prequel to this movie is her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I kept getting confused between those two when uh, I was putting the patron poll together for for this month. Yeah, I kept thinking this was a more modern film, and I kept getting confused about why it was in the poll, and then I had to keep reminding myself that it was from the 80s. <laughs> Early 80s. Yeah, I mean, that is a prequel to this film, right? Like, uh, Walking Phoenix causes an apocalypse? I'll buy it. He's a bit of a joker. Oh. Hello, fantasy fans, and welcome to Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Mokel. My pronouns are he and him. And I am here with my immortal co-hosts. That's immortal, not immoral. Yeah. Although, both. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I can vouch for that. My name is Cassidy. My pronouns are they, them. And I'm a psychic turtle who uh, manipulates humans to give me vegetables. It's great. And they're never going to hurt me or or eat me. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. I have a friend who's a psychic pig, and that's the same deal. Oh, <laughs> I'd love to meet him. Is he still around? Uh, Yeah, I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure nobody has done anything mean to him in filming a movie. Us psychic animals have to stick together. That's right. Psychic animals are stronger together. Yeah. True. It's a good thing. But who am I? We need a coalition. <laughs> That's true. I wish I could be part of it, but I'm no psychic animal. Oh, but what are you then? Well, I'm Jack Olander. My pronouns are any and all, shifting like the wind. Oh. Keep them guessing. That's right. And uh, I was uh, just a your average businessman, but uh, uh, heavily irradiated. Oh. And when I died, my my consciousness was moved into a mason jar full of sparkling water. Oh. Wow. So that's kind of me now. That seems nice. like a pretty sweet deal. Did you get superpowers from being irradiated like I did? You could say being a living mason jar is sort of a power. I'd okay. say that, yeah. Because, see, I was going to ask if your powers transferred over to the water. Right. Well, I think uh, I think there's like a flavoring to the bubbly water. Okay. That's... I can't taste it. Because you're a jar. You can just feel it. Yeah. You don't know like what flavor you are. <laughs> Probably. So it's mystery flavor. Yeah. I've never. Well. You could drink it, but I'd, I might die. Auto cannibalism <laughs> is a thing. Well, you might yeah. just go into the person then and become part of that person. Yeah. And Ooh, then possession. You'll, then you'll have a body again. That makes sense. We can maybe that'll be our secret weapon. Man, the apocalypse is going to be wild, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hey, if it's not abundantly clear by now, this week we're going to be talking about a classic 1980s <laughs> fantasy film <laughs> by the name of She. You've all seen it. Everyone's heard about it. It's a classic. It's the talk of the schoolyard, I'm told. Mm. All the kids, they are talking about she. It is hotter than 
hotcakes. I don't know what schoolyard you were on. I didn't know what the fuck this movie was until we decided to <laughs> put it on the poll. All the kids are talking about it. It's the cock that walks. Cass, that's because you're not hip to the new kids style. Okay. There's new kids on the block, okay? Oh, yeah. I used to listen to them. So this movie... I'm sure nobody is surprised to learn it is based on the 1887 novel, She, A History of Adventure. Oh, so being from that era, it must be completely without terrible things inside of it. Yep. And uh, it, it could just be translated word for word to a movie and our modern sensibilities would be totally fine with it, right? Yeah, about that. Um, we should probably move on to talking about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in the intro where there was bad news and we said, please don't tell us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> so the summary, right? Yeah, we should probably summarize this incredibly coherent and easy to follow film. Forget everything you think you know about Shui. That's okay. I just watched this movie and I've already forgotten most of it. Me too. Me too. So what are we going to do here? Uh, you know what? If you want to pick any kind of supernatural thing you can think of and just like throw a stick at a board where you've listed it all and <laughs> just hit anything, it's probably in yeah, this movie. Not a dart, because a dart would stick. A, <laughs> a, stick. a stick just bounces off the board. A stick would dart to the board. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we start with she. Maybe. What? No, we start with Tom, Dick, and Harry. Yeah. And they are pulling they themselves... They just let any Tom, Dick, and Harry in here. That's right. They're pulling themselves on a dinghy or on a... What do you call... A ferry, Like dude. a ferry, I guess. Yeah. That is what those things are called. Well, there you go. I mean, it's a type of dinghy, right? A boat on a string. <laughs> Thank you. String boat. They show up at the market. They're going to have a nice, fun market day. And what always happens when you go to market day? Capitalism. Besides that, what always comes with capitalism? Nazis. Nazis. Nazis, Nazis show up to ruin everybody's fun. They stab people. <laughs> people. Indiscriminately. They, they shoot a harpoon into Harry's leg and drag her off. I'm pretty sure they hate everyone, including themselves. They're just knotsing around, cringely. Oh <laughs> They all look Not like... Nothing cringily. I like that. Yeah. They're all really colorful, too, which is very off-putting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, normally I like the colorful characters. Uh, yeah. It was kind of weird that there were just a bunch of Nazis running around, but, you know, I guess you can never get rid of them, really. No. They're like ants. Yeah. But not as interesting. <laughs> you have people that want to coexist peacefully. That's how you get Nazis. Seems like it. Yeah. And there wasn't even an internet. <laughs> not yet. Or not then. Not then. Well, I mean, there was an internet. But. Okay, one of the things I do remember 
By the way, if you hear all that scuffling, our cats are fighting in the background. It's a kitty wrestling time, apparently. Who's going to win the title belt? That was not in this movie, though. There was a lot in this movie, but cats wrestling was not one of those things. There was werewolves eating people. Yeah, there were. But first, let's go back (laughs) to one thing I do remember. The story takes place... 23 years after the cancellation, which was uh, the world's <laughs> mostly ending with nuclear war. I liked the cancellation. That was a good name for an apocalypse. Yeah. So we're in a post-apocalyptic setting. Uninstall here. civilization. <laughs> well, I never played that game anyways. Deleted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is no undelete. But Nazis are a virus, so you can't get rid of them. True. Yeah, apparently. So... The beginning of this movie is interspersed with some incredibly hard to follow, like, quick cuts. Yeah. That jump back between Tom and Dick and she, played by Sandal Bergman of fame, both Conan and Red Sonja, where she was much better portrayed than in this film. Yeah, I mean, she's supposed to be an immortal warrior queen. But, you know, she still gets hurt a lot. And um, she doesn't seem to be a very good warrior. And she's, I mean, look, she's a very slim, small person. But that doesn't mean anything. I mean, we have Buffy, the vampire slayer. Yeah, the the buffest of slayers. Yeah. So she could have, like, supernatural strength. That doesn't, you know, she could still have that going on. She just doesn't use it. Yeah. I don't see evidence of such So, like, the movie is telling us that she is a powerful warrior queen and then doing nothing to evidence that. I mean, she kind of knows how to fight with a sword. I mean, that's something. Yeah. She always wins, except when she suddenly doesn't. That's right. When we need her to be in peril. That's right. She stops winning. Yes. And the Nazis just want to make the world great again. Oh, God. Yeah. That's right. As depicted by them wearing American flags sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. the political commentary in this film is actually quite biting. I know. And I mean, they so they stole Harry, Tom's sister, from the Ren Fair. (laughs) Um, It did look a lot like a Ren Fair. Everybody at the Ren Fair started fighting back against them, but... How about the same amount of people in garb, too? Yeah. And they, but uh, the Nazis had like a lot of weapons and horses. And so they were able to beat everybody. They harpooned Harry through the leg and that's how they took her off, right? It's a rough way to go. Yeah. So after that, yeah, there's a bunch of jump cuts. It's incredibly confusing what happens. (laughs) I would just say that we could summarize most of this movie by saying hijinks ensue. (laughs) It really is. Let's just list some of the things they face. How about that? Agreed. Like, let's just set it up that... Because um, there's no rhyme or reason no, to any of it. Let's just like simplify it and say like Tom and Dick eventually try to go after Harry and yes. save her. And for whatever reason that's hard to define, she, the warrior queen... and Not her, Harry. <laughs> yeah. And her first in command, Shanda. Who um, was my favorite character in the movie. Yeah, she actually was like... A big buff lady who is awesome. Um, Not that we're biased. They they join Tom and Dick to go save Harry because they are kind of bored and want to go on an adventure. And she is 
curious. Yeah, that's literally the best explanation we get, is that they just are kind of interested in these guys. There are a lot of confusing scenes that I don't understand why they're there. There is a prophecy. Oh, yeah. There's a prophecy that she will give her immortal heart to a man. And lose her powers or something? Yeah, and lose her powers. Yeah, fuck that. Okay. Keep the powers. Oh, yeah, the Nazis are called the Norks in this setting. I, I just remember it from my notes. Not the Nukes, who are the irradiated lepers. Yeah, so that's one of the uh, groups that they fight against. They're, they, like, have to make their way through all these gangs to get to the Norks. It's basically just, like, a random mishmash of Tom, Dick, She, and Chandra being, like, interacting with a weird gang and then being kidnapped or imprisoned temporarily until they can break out. I just realized, were they trying to recreate the warriors, but in a post-apocalyptic setting? I'm worried that that is exactly what they were trying to do. Yeah. And no group is as memorable as the Baseball Furies in this. No. I mean, granted, that's a very tough act to follow. The Warriors is a much better movie. (laughs) That's because the Warriors is an awesome movie. Yeah. But anyway. And this movie is fascinating. So, yeah, they they fight against uh, mutants. They find twink werewolves. The best kind. They uh, have to fight back against psychic monks and escape capture. She battles a robot Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, that's right. For no particularly discernible reason. Yep. (laughs) To take a bath. Yeah. That's right. You got to fight the Frankenstein's monster to take a bath. And we all know that. That's why so many people are so dirty. (laughs) <laughs> it does explain a lot. Yeah. Um, there's an insane hologram android thing that's guarding the bridge to the Nork kingdom. I, I don't even know what to do with the character of Xenon, who, when you cut off his limbs, he's basically like a Hydra who regrows an entire body. Yeah. And so both parts are then whole. He's a fun, like, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey type. Yeah. And a Nazi. Is he a Nazi? He is. He's protecting the Nazi realm. I thought he was just a baseball fan. He did a Heil and had a swastika. I missed that. I just noticed that he had, like, the name of New York sports teams on his face. Honestly, it was very confusing. I missed that as well. I'm glad you saw it, Jack. Yes. Um, Oh, well, then, of course. He was a Texan Nazi. Hmm. Interesting. They also meet a psychic communist who is not cool. Well, he's one of the monks I mentioned. Oh, right. Yes. He is a bit rapey. It's not great. (laughs) Very cringe. Yes. Yeah. Do not care for this particular portrayal of communists. Yeah. They save she before anything happens, I think, but uh, it still sucked. Oh, yeah. They were also uh, taken prisoner by... Rudolph and his, or no, Rabble and his like sidekick, uh, Rudolph. I do not remember that part. What are you talking about? I think they're an Im- a gay couple that yeah. grows fruit and has animals. And <laughs> when was this? He's like an imperial British, like explorer. Okay. Oh, 
doing stuff. And he the keeps, doctor. Yeah, he keeps them in these like condoms that swing from the ceiling, and he has like a trans archfey working for him. That okay, the trans archfey was pretty cool. Yeah. I loved him. Was that Rudolph? Yeah, Rudolph. He is a gigantic hairy dude in a pink tutu. Yeah, like. Kind of a whole ballerina costume. Yeah, like a whole ballerina costume. It's great with a rainbow like feather boa. He's scarf. just like coming through the forest, and a gas starts to like take over, and he's got a gas mask that he puts on, and it is like visually one of the most stunning elements of this film. Yes, I loved Rudolph, and he helps them later on in their fight against the Nazis. So yes, pretty cool. Um, he's Dutch. He's done such feats as like just hucking a peacock off screen. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, this movie does not pass PETA. Okay, they kick yeah. pigs. Yeah, and they throw peacocks. They, they do abuse the animals in this. <laughs> and film. they really, I'm pretty sure they actually murdered those werewolves. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. they did. Um, it is kind of like another movie we've covered on the show a long time ago. Beowulf and Grendel? No, no, where they actually harm the animals. Um, Beastmaster. Oh, God. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> but we already did. <laughs> yeah, oh, you mean the movie where they died a tiger to be a leopard or to be a panther? Yeah, panther tiger. Or where they like almost drown mm. a ferret in quicksand? Yeah. Yeah. There was like a very cringe moment though when they were when they met Rudolph and um they were like are you a man or a woman and then one of them was like we'll find out right now and they were going to like yike yeah this movie did take place in Texas <laughs> I was like uh <laughs> Are they gonna check to see if he can be on a sports team? Ooh, jeezy! Or use any restroom? <laughs> oh God! God forbid! Yeah, God I forbid was... we let people mind their own fucking business. I was, I was sick. <laughs> There's some rough parts of this movie. If yeah. this plot seems disjointed so far, it's about as easy to understand as our description of it so far. I was going to yeah. say I feel like however disjointed our summary is, it is so much more coherent than what you would see on the screen. Yeah. So you're welcome. <laughs> okay, so eventually they do get to the Nazi kingdom, or I mean the Nork kingdom. And um, she and Dick <laughs> um, disguise themselves as new recruits. And they somehow the uh, blonde haired Sandal Bergman is able to pass as a Nazi. No, that's a well, fucked up they, joke. <laughs> uh, they have like their faces covered with helmets and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they have to compete in a tournament. And the last few that are left are alive are, will be recruited. So that's how I like to recruit um, hosts for the podcast. And it's revealed that Tom is also one of the combatants. That's right. And so they all reveal themselves to each other. They're like, oh, we're the three ones left. How convenient. And then Harry. They kind of do the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man thing. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Harry's there. She was the uh, leader's concubine. Wasn't and... she like the prize for winning? Oh, Ugh. maybe. I, I missed that or part. Or something gross. Yeah. 
Uh, she gets free somehow and runs to them. The leader of the Norks tells Nazis. Yeah, tells she that they can go, but he's gonna come take over her clan, the Urek clan. Uh, the next day. He doesn't have a great plan. No. So he lets them go. They have no guards outside of their gate. Who needs them? And so... That costs money. Tom, Dick, and Harry, and she go outside and create all kinds of booby traps out there. <laughs> and um, there's a bridge that leads from there across a minefield so Gotta that they can get out of there. Bridge. And uh, they just barricade that up and uh, create bow and arrows and uh, lay siege to them as they're trying to leave. I forgot that they make a bow out of just a fucking stick. It's terrible. Jamie, please. It was a stick and a leather belt. Okay, you're right. This would shoot very accurately. Uh, it would break as soon as you tried to shoot it. <laughs> it was awful. You can hold your extra arrows in the in the holes in the belt. <laughs> Good plan. This movie was terrible. Um, hey, 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 hey. We're not at the rating yet. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, anyway, like... Oh, that's right. Shanda uh, shows up with Rudolph and some other reinforcements from Urek and help them eventually defeat the Nazis. And then... You're telling me that in this movie, Nazis are the bad guys? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Um, and uh, in this case, they actually got rid of him. Oh, wow. Incredible. At least the immediate threat. <laughs> so they didn't just all end up on Twitter? No. Huh. I mean, maybe later. Um, and Twitter in that timeline is like going back to medieval, <laughs> like, uh. Message bird messengers? Yeah, yeah. It's like confession booths in the future. Someone is on the other side of a screen and you just go in and say horrible oh, things to God. them <laughs> in complete anonymity. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. This is what things were like before the internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so they... The priest is just like, I didn't know you could fit that many slurs in the one sentence. <laughs> yeah. The movie just cuts from there to she and Shanda returning Tom, Dick, and Harry to the ferry to take them back across the river to their homeland. And uh, Dick is like, hey, you know what? Shanda and I hate each other. I may as well stay and like be your boyfriend. And <laughs> That's how relationships get started. And she's like, yeah, you know what? Whatever. So that's a thing. And then Tom is leaving with Harry and she and um, she, the warrior queen, queen, I mean. <laughs> Not Harry. Yeah. The sister. So she and Tom keep looking longingly at each other like they want to be together, but they're not gonna. And uh, Tale as old as time. <laughs> I think she doesn't ask him to stay because she doesn't want to lose her powers. Makes sense. I think that's actually a good choice. Yeah. I would not give up my powers to this guy either. He's not very chill. No. And no I think, chill. I think Tom is not sure how he feels about her. <laughs> I think Tom does not know how feelings work. Yeah. He certainly doesn't know how to emote. Oh, <laughs> The acting is pretty horrendous in this thing. So they string boat to the horizon. That's right. 
sailing off into the future, into what I'm sure will be a string of successful sequels. He pulls himself off and the movie ends. <laughs> well, that was a hell of a concise summary. Why don't we move into the delve? <laughs> Welcome to the Delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of She. Now, guys, I have a theory that this movie is secretly genius and that it is some of the most <laughs> profound and biting socio-political commentary of the last 50 years. Okay, let's hear it, because I didn't have much. If it's theoretical, it better have some evidence. I think there's a lot of evidence. First off, we've got Nazis. Nazis in this film are the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense to me. They are oddly patriotic. So in a way, this movie is kind of prescient. Yeah. We've got the Nazi wrapped in the American flag. Yeah, I was going to say, let's be clear. These definitely seem to be American Nazis. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Homegrown, as we call them. They have homegrown They have an American leader that does a German accent sometimes. Well, I don't. Remember, I barely remember the leader talking. Sometimes he had, yeah, kind of an interesting style. He had orange hair. He had he was, orange hair. He was okay. wearing a general's hmm. coat with all the like pips on it. Interesting. So an orange-haired man who has no real claim to authority who somehow ends up as the leader of a bunch of fascists. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just figured it out. <laughs> Holy who shit. Is, who is that? Who is that? I don't know. How many orange people do you know who are also fascists? Oh. <laughs> ours doesn't have curly hair. <laughs> Somebody by the name of Drumpf. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, they've created this cult of personality where this Immortan Joe-like figure yeah. keeps his troops satiated with what he says is food, women, and war. The three things that matter the most to the Nazis of this film and possibly to American culture. Yeah. Like this obsession with material needs and sexual gratification and then just violence right. abject violence yeah sounds a little problematic a little bit M big problematic <laughs> even <laughs> they also try to control the economy they raid markets they yeah. do yeah they're trying to get people specifically women but I think they steal other stuff, too. They oh, have yeah, this sure. smart social structure where 10 people come and want to join them, and they only will allow two of them to join. That's right. And kill the rest because they're useless, I guess. I mean, it's basically a form of eugenics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not everyone has to be a good fighter. You know, what if what if you want to just like join and like, hey, I want to bake for you guys. But if your culture is only obsessed, well, I guess baking, you would think that they'd have some bakers since food is one of the things that the Immortan Joe character they love to eat is you yeah. know using to ply his recruits with. Yeah. 
I was just wondering, how did the werewolves get so much wine and food? <laughs> Maybe they raided a Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see any evidence of that kind of thing. But at the market, we saw all kinds of... Like, I mean, this takes place in Texas, right? <laughs> uh, we saw all kinds of like what would be considered modern for the time of the filming um, goods. And artifacts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the way that they created this post-apocalyptic social structure is also really interesting with this kind of upcycling of goods and materials. Right. <laughs> right. I was just remembering that there are societies built around having deified figureheads. Yeah, pretty much yeah. every group has a godlike figure at their head. She is one of those gods. Yeah, something they ask everyone they come across it's like, who's your god? And that's another she thing. Is. She is. That's another thing that I think is interesting. When they ask Dick and Tom what who their gods are, Dick is like, we don't have a god. We've got money. We do business. Or we do business. Thank you. Yeah. They're hard capitalists. So we've got this movie that lionizes both a cult of a deific entity in the form of she who throughout the film is compared to christ through symbolism and through narrative elements uh -huh. symbolically there's a scene where she is being tortured right next to a crucifix with jesus on it plus the fact that she's supposed to be this immortal figurehead and she goes to resurrect herself in a cave yeah exactly mm-hmm so we've got this kind of, in a lot of ways, the most American movie ever created. Okay. <laughs> That's horrifying. Fair enough. <laughs> it, we also make villains of communists and fascists. Yeah. We have the character of Godan, another of the god kings of this world, who is a psychic communist whose symbol is like the hammer and sickle. And he uses his ability to control people with his mind. He just manipulates everyone so that he'll be cared for. He's just, like, keeping them under his boot heel. He's just the type of guy who wants to take whatever he wants and be like, oh, I'm a god, so I can get away with it. His followers don't put up with it for very long, because when he tries to take advantage of she, one of his followers Eva is upset with him and just kills him. Yeah, she, yeah. she murders him because she wanted to be his number one chick. It's true. Not she, but Eva. Who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she. So I think this movie is actually secretly brilliant. Oh, no. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. It must be I have as yet brilliant, to be convinced. Uh, it must be as brilliant as the original novel. Oh, no. Oh, boy. So I did a little bit of research, and the original novel is one of your examples of what I will call white god of Africa fiction. Oh, that sounds like a good description of that. Where she, awful. Where she is a white god or goddess that is revered by the African tribe that worships her. Oh, so in a lot of ways, this modern update is oddly progressive, except there are no people of color in the entire film. I know. Yeah. Also. So not great. Isn't the original like super pro 
colonization. To- yes. The, origi- yeah. the original was basically an example of like, see, we have to go and civilize the world. We're Britain. It's what we do. Right. We're, we're gods even. Yeah. How timely in our modern world. Yeah. As the world is beginning to look upon the death of Queen Elizabeth II and look at the legacy of colonization and monarchy around the world in places that didn't ever really need to be uh, monarchies and go, hey, maybe we don't need uh, to be connected to the British crown anymore. Maybe we can just be independent. Yeah. But so how is this brilliant? (laughs) I mean, I feel like we've laid out the case already. It's biting political commentary. It is building on a lot of these American ideals. It is trying to create this scenario where the audience relates to the main characters, which we can tell because they are just your average everyday Tom, Dick, and Harry. Yeah. They are the every man and every woman. Okay. I see. I mean, it seems like some of the gods have powers. Yeah, I mean, this is a fantasy movie. It has to be, or we wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. Godan has psychic powers. It's a sword movie, if nothing else. Yeah. Kind of. I feel like there's not a lot of sword fighting in this film. <laughs> Much less than I would have liked. So, yeah, I mean, I think that this movie really points to the excesses of capitalist culture and the way that it turns us all into desensitized, violent monsters who are willing to kind of do anything to get what we want. Yeah, it's true. I think it's hard to examine some of these themes so far. Yeah. I think this movie, while we were watching it, we were like, how the fuck are we going to come up with themes for this movie, right? I think this movie is packed with themes. Maybe. Maybe. But I think it it might not have tried to give many morals while watching it. I think what it does not examine because says a lot more. society is immoral. That's right. Our hero, she is this god queen of this like city state. Yeah. Right? We see when she walks into a room, everyone has to bow and they go she, 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 yeah. she. Right? And they are just what it, what do you call it like when you just keep bowing over Genuflecting? and over again? Yeah, just eating the ass of the person in front of you in her honor. In her honor. Praise unto her name. Yeah. She. And uh, she. Prostrating? Yeah. Uh, prostrating. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> That's a different thing. She gets Tom. And is, like, going to marry him, right? Yeah. And Or is she just going to bet him? She's just going to... I think she's just going to bet she's him. She's just going to, you know, take sex from him. Yeah. And then... Kill him. And then kill him. Probably. And... That seems like kind of the cultural values we're, we're dealing with. Yeah. And when he, like, struggles against her or whatever, she and all her friends bully him. <laughs> they yeah. blindfold him and I mean, push him into a bunch of wooden spikes that stab him. That's right. What does this say about our idols that we worship as a country, as a society? How quick we forget how her origins in this film and she becomes a protagonist. <laughs> she is this god figure who is capricious and only really concerned with self-satisfaction. She gets involved she- in the 
she gets involved in the plot on a whim. Yeah, She's just true. like, I got nothing better to do. I want to go see how this fucking peasant gets his sister back from the Nazis. That is literally what it is. They, like, kidnap her for no apparent reason. They basically do the thing where they do, like, the cane hooks around your neck and pulls you off stage to her. Yeah. And then they're like, we're going to take her on an adventure. And when her guards come and save her, she's like, you know what? I'm just going to go with them now voluntarily. Yeah. Yeah. After she tries to, like, and then she leads them to that radioactive leper colony and is like, all right, guys. Kill him now. And they're like, actually, you oppressed us. You well, see, get to die, too. And that's another part about this movie that I think is brilliant, that the threats that they face are the fears of the 1980s. Nuclear yeah. Holocaust. Yeah. Communism. Fascism. Right. These are the things that are in the national consciousness. And that, werewolves. And werewolves. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Something and that queer would. people. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. The werewolves yes. are coded as queer. And so is Rudolph. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So these are the threats that the characters are facing as they represent the values of of the Reagan era United States. Yeah. I mean, if somebody has ambiguous gender, that's just no good. Yeah. You can't have that. I mean, you don't even know who you're making out with. By <laughs> she. We found an actual theme. <laughs> I think this movie's chock-a-block with themes. We just got to a solid one, I think. <laughs> 80s paranoia. Yeah, it's a movie yeah. about the things that we're afraid of in this era. And to some extent, these fears have carried on 30 years later. We yeah. still have these same anxieties. We're still wrestling with a lot of these problems. Almost 40 years later. Yeah, yes. you're right. Damn it. Russia. Nazis. Yeah. Nuclear Holocaust, a new epidemic. It's not the same one, but yeah. it's another one. Oh, well, we even have a queer coded pandemic starting with monkeypox yeah. right now. Yeah. We are in this never ending cycle. Yeah. If it was going to be made today with like the the struggles of modern society, I think it would just be funny that it would probably have a queer character receiving persecution <laughs> rather than like the queer people being the scary things. Yeah, maybe I would hope so, but it's so if hard we know. rewrote the yeah. history, Jimmy, the people that made this movie aren't that smart. <laughs> But you I'm made devastation. A, you made a very intelligent argument about the themes of this movie, and you've convinced me that that is there to find, and their fears actually somehow miraculously came through in the plot. And you said that they accidentally made it work. Yes, and actually, if you take this meta view of the movie itself and think about the context of the political and social climate of the time, then it actually kind of makes sense. Would you be fascinated to learn that the director of this film is Israeli? Yes. <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's interesting to consider that pretty much... Most of the problematic characters were also religious. Right. Like, 
religion is very much tied in with like blind following of tradition in this. Like the Godan followers just like torturing because they're told to. They're just following orders. Exactly. There's a lot of that in this. Except not as much from the Nazis. They're all just like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, somehow the Nazis uh, just kind of all already agree with the same ideology and don't need to be told. Yeah. Fascinating that. They just want to hate. Haters gotta hate. Haters mm-hmm. gotta hate. Do you know who doesn't hate us, but who actually loves us? It's our patrons, guys. I love our patrons. That's a really nice affirmation to hear. And do you know how they show us that they love us? I have some guesses. (laughs) Well, they support the show every month through Patreon. We call that the ultimate love. Yes. And uh, if you want to support the show like them, you could head over to patreon.com slash swords and satire. And check out our tiers, see if any of them work for you. One of our tiers is as low as $2 a month. Hey, do you think it's a bad idea that we're running the ad after the Nazi bit? Uh, no, because then, you know, if you want to make sure that we can keep talking about this kind of stuff, you can go support us. Good call. And you get other cool perks like bonus episodes and voting on movies that we're going to watch. I love it when people vote on the movies we're going to watch. It makes me go like, wow, we're going to watch these movies that people want us to talk about. Fascism is cringe because it crushes individual thought. But here on Swords and Satire, we love art, which encourages personalized expression. Hey, you know who hated art? Nazis. That's why they stole all of it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And censored a lot of it. Right. All right, guys, I guess we should get back to talking about that movie. Probably. You know, I bet a lot of people will be like, oh, you know, these fucking swords and satire guys, they're just like calling the villains of this movie Nazis because like they just don't agree with them. Like, no, these guys are wearing swastikas. They're fucking Nazis. They are. Literal- they have red armbands. They're literal American Nazis. It wasn't us, you know, getting creative with it. No. One of them is wearing the armband and an American flag as a cape, <laughs> yeah. which just feels very correct. Although I think a lot very of, accurate. If I believe. it were remade, I'm pretty sure there would be more Confederate flags thrown in there as Maybe. well. Maybe I think we should remake this movie. One thing that I didn't... we could probably afford the budget based on the quality of the film. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um, one thing that I didn't appreciate about there was something you didn't like about this movie no it was about the nazis they were also kind of yeah i don't appreciate nazis no they were also (laughs) kind of coded as like punk punks yeah well i mean as we all know the classic saying it's as true today as it ever was nazi punks fuck off yeah like there is a long unfortunate tradition of nazis in the punk movement Seriously? Yeah. It's because punks are anti-establishment and Nazis just want to destroy the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this is 
disheartening. I think you've actually tried to tell me about this before and my brain dumped it. Yeah, I mean, you're probably a happier person for knowing less about Nazis and (laughs) otherwise cool movements. I fucking try to be, dude. You keep just bringing the bad news. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's kind of my job to be the bearer of bad news, but I always tell it with a smile. (laughs) And usually a silly joke. A goofity goof, as I like to call it. I guess anybody could be a Nazi. You never know. (laughs) Oops, all Nazis. Yeah. Do you think we're going to set a record for the most uses of the word Nazi in a podcast? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. I didn't think we would say it this many times, but it just kind of ended up happening. I think I was like, I think I'm still like shell-shocked that, uh... There were Nazis. It's one of the most, like, pertinent elements of the film. Yeah. Like, it begins and ends with fighting the Nazis. Yeah. I mean, at least... Sorry, the nuke. Uh, the uh, Norks. Norks. But, I mean, they're Nazis. Um, Nazi orcs. <clears throat> Nazi orcs. I don't like that. I like orcs. Yeah. Orcs are cool. Um, I... Casey Cannon would be pissed about this. <laughs> yes. I- at least they were fighting them and they weren't the heroes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, the overall, like, broad strokes themes of the movie kind of work. Yeah. That's right. Nazis bad. Um, I don't care much for the, um, you know, worship your idols thing, but... Honestly, the impression I got from the movie is that everything is bad. <laughs> Again, a very relatable and believable setup and premise. Yeah. There didn't really seem to be any good situation anybody was in, and nobody really seemed to be, like, the hero to me. The market seemed all right. (laughs) If you were a member of the, like, Roman... Roman... Twinks. Twink werewolves, life would be pretty solid. I mean, you'd eat people. Granted, but you'd also party. Yeah, Yeah. true. They did kill all of them. They made the queer people into monsters so that Uh it was okay to slaughter all of them. Hmm, sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they had the best style when they got ready for the, like, their dinner party. And they had, like, suits with, like, no shirts and just, like, buff, oily chest with, like, a necktie and a suit coat. It was great. I can't lie. I was impressed. I was staring at them. Yeah. I mean, how can you not? Yeah. Now, there were. Okay. This movie was sexually uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. Not as sexually uncomfortable as some movies we've tried to watch for the show. That's right. This scene with the werewolves was one of them. They put on a record and started dancing. And Dick. Was being a real dick. Uh, Specifically, Tom said something else. But what happened was Dick was dancing with this werewolf chick named Pretty Girl, who uh, (laughs) was dancing with him. Pretty Girl. And he kept, like, biting her neck suddenly, and she kept telling him to stop and pushing him off. He kept doing it. Dick does not understand consent. And that's got to get a trigger warning for the show. It looked like other people were trying to help her get him off. It did. But not, like, substantively. He kept, like, shoving them off and getting pissed and kept doing it again. And so he's just like... They were werewolves! (laughs) He is without relent... 
And then the guy who's relentless, in, even yeah, unrelenting, even <laughs> yeah, yeah, indefatigable, anti-relentable. <laughs> and was, so you're right, Jack. It was incredibly uncomfortable to watch. And so, pretty boy, the guy who runs this colony, asks Tom, like, "Oh, your friend sure is without relent, right?" <laughs> And Tom says, my friend's an asshole. <laughs> Doesn't the pretty boy ask, like, then why is he your friend? Or is that just my head? Cannon? That's your head. That should have been the next question. Yeah. But that is too modern of a thing to do. I mean, this is another thing that is part of the American commentary. I feel like we ally ourselves with people that we probably shouldn't be allying ourselves with. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, we let innocent people suffer. It's true. Yeah. And it's just seen as normal. Yeah. Or justified, even. If you don't see them as human... You can do anything. Yeah. I guess this movie is just a lot like Mad Max, where it's like war brings out the worst in all of humanity, and eventually society just completely falls apart and devolves into, like, gangs fighting each other. Yeah, so many post-apocalypse stories perpetuate that myth. Yeah. And, and uh, like maybe in some cultural context, it would be true. Like maybe in American society, our pre-existing values would cause this type of disruption. But, you know, coming from prehistory into today, not every civilization is just nightmare badlands, right? I'm led to believe. You can just live a chill life, hypothetically. You can just vibe. It's not true everywhere, but it is true some places. Yeah. I've never had to kill a person. And You've that's never nice. gotten to, Jack. <laughs> yeah. You've never gotten to. Yeah. The, in, this, in this world, I feel like everyone is either going to kill a person, going to get killed, or just waiting for the chance to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. One of the other people... Kind of like living in America. Got him. <laughs> One of the other people they kill is the, like, queer doctor character. That's right. A lot of anti-queer uh, imagery in this, unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. That one comes up a lot. It must have been, like, really on people's minds. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Gee, I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Although Rudolph does help them in the end. Rudolph is great. Rudolph is the best of us. Yeah. That's Rudolph represents the hope that we all have for a better future. I hope so. He is the future that liberals want. Like that time he hucked a peacock off screen. Oh, oh, God, God damn it. I forgot about that. <laughs> that thing screamed on, it, on camera. He picks it up out of like a bathtub. It's just like, oh, okay, I'm being picked up. Like it's a normal tame peacock. He just flings it, shoves it off screen. It just goes, ha ha! Because it suddenly is just yeah, I would feel the same way if somebody yeah. came and picked me up and tossed me off screen. That's too. what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, I would be surprised. You'd fucking cry out. Yeah, yeah. I would. <laughs> it's fucked up. Damn. All right, guys. Well, I think we've said pretty much all we're going to be able to say about this movie. We should probably head into <laughs> the smithy. <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome to the Smithy, where we each forge a rating for this movie after we share an epic moment or feature from the film. Jack, do you want to tell us your epic moment or feature and then give us a rating from one to ten swords? Uh, my epic moment and or feature probably has to be the werewolf twinks. Ah. Their society. Great choice. They're just like the slice of life. We're having a good time. Probably the most pleasant living you could have in this world is with them. Yeah. You have security, hypothetically, as a group of werewolves. They're all killed, but a goddess does the killing. Yeah. So you're, you've are you got group safety. They have music. They dance. They have a pool. They're poly. That's right. They come upon them having a party, poly party, and it's just nice. They're friendly, and I don't think it was necessarily to deceive the group a poly party sounds much better than a pity party <laughs> that's right well it was probably meant Less to be them. pity party there you go it was probably meant to be them tricking the main cast by being friendly serving them human meat right yeah. stuff like that which was clearly not human meat it, yeah, it, I it, can tell. It was like drumsticks <laughs> yeah. and like chicken wings. Show me where the human's drumstick is. We <laughs> took out the human's uh, wings. Gizzards? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the fuck? And human feet. That's a chicken foot. We're having human tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it did not, when they were acting, it did not seem like they were being deceptive. It seemed like. They were just being friendly, and a like betrayal was written into the script. Yeah, I I think like if we were to rewrite it, they would just be like helpful werewolves. Oh, one hundred percent. Like actually, like all the werewolves you really meet in life. Yeah, and like they actually are the ones with the utopian society. Yeah, they would be really sketchy, but actually, just the twist is they're friendly. Yeah, yeah. they'd be like, "You should stay for dinner," and then look at the camera, and they just go like, "It's to." Dive. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out they're everything's vegetarians. Great. Nice. <laughs> You're quite the bunch. Quite the pack, even. <laughs> what the hell? Vegan werewolves. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Exactly. You see, that's great. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're just a very fun part of this movie. The most slice of life. I like slice of life. Yeah, it's true. So I like that. When it comes to the movie as a whole, I said it as a joke while we were watching but i genuinely feel it could be true if you watch this movie at two times speed it might be a better film it was almost two hours long people watching it uh, when we got through the first third of the movie we paused it for a pee pee poo poo break And I was shocked to see we were only a third of the way through the film. I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. This is true. Jack was not happy. Jack, I, well, both of us were like, there's so much more left. There's only an hour. There was over half the movie left. We've watched worse movies for longer amounts of time. Oh, no. Yeah, but usually with, you know, more commentary. Ah, we were riffing this fucker. <laughs> well, As anyway. We do. The more I think about it, the more painful it becomes. And <laughs> it, it, it was fun in places, and it was, you know, as it, it felt like the sensation of throwing up to watch sometimes. Yeah. 
But uh, it was actually painful to keep watching it. That was the breakneck pace. I'm probably going to end up giving this movie three out of ten swords. Right down the middle. I. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking he would either do a two or a four. <laughs> okay. That, that comment needed context. As do most of the things I say. I hope, I hope editing cast cuts out the second part and just leaves right down the middle. <laughs> oh, editing cast. We love you. Uh, they're yes. a real trickster. Uh, three out of ten. I didn't hate this movie. I, I'm kind of happy we watched it once. I don't want to watch it again, unless it's at two times speed. I don't I, really... That might be kind of fun. I don't want to show it to anybody. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. I want to show it to everybody. Uh, it feels a little like a cigarette burn on my hippocampus. Oh. It's kind of in the vicinity of, like, Monster Hunter World, Polar Express. Yes, I was thinking of those. So oh. we're watching Polar Express this year. No, again? Yes. No, we're not. Yes, and we're going to cover it again on the show. Oh, my God. Jamie, you threatened the same thing last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm consistent. <laughs> Only if we get hot chocolate while we watch. We will. Do not let it cool down. Do not let it cool, not even a degree. That's right. But anyway, right down the middle, even split, three out of ten swords. <laughs> I just had a realization. Is the doctor gay-coded or is he just foreign? Well, I think he's like the outside threat of like British imperialism, like taking over America again. Oh, because... Hypnotically. I don't know. To me, Rabel and Rudolph seemed like a couple. Maybe, but I think that they're like less the like queer coded couple and more the foreign, like, and then also a feat because they're European. Right. Uh, and England is, of course, like the queerest country out there. Yeah, historically. I, I think that it's like the broad concept of Europe. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, now that I got that out of the way, how about you, Cass? <laughs> What's your epic moment or feature and then rating? From one to ten swords. That brings us to our new segment. Queer or European? <laughs> <laughs> Gay or Gaelic? Yeah. Whoa. Oh, boy. Um, hmm. Jeez. I'm well. I think something that rhymes with Norse. Just because something's epic. <laughs> <Gay>. <laughs> <laughs> well, just because something's epic doesn't mean that it's good. True. So. I mean, great and terrible, right? Yeah. Awful awesome. <laughs> exactly. I think an epically bad moment is the acting around Ooh. when they have the ritual when she comes out and people are eating each other's asses. <laughs> <laughs> They're prostating. <laughs> prostating themselves before the goddess she. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she walks in the room and they all just start going at it. <laughs> this movie begat the entire millennial generation. She's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> parents, are, parents around the world went to see she, came home, and just had the fuck. Well, future parents, I mean. <laughs> so sudden, it, it's like almost violent. It's. I mean, I was only two when this movie came out, so... <laughs> it created the cultural context that I lived in. In her horror, she fled the city to go on an adventure. I'm so happy you guys are filling time for me. This film was the Morbius of its day. Yes. <laughs> A treasure. Yes. Beloved by movie audiences everywhere. So she walks in the room and everyone starts morbing each other. Yeah. yeah. They're just morbing everything. <laughs> and at the front. There are usually four men <laughs> chained up to a rock. You know. That's made out of stuff. styrofoam. And <laughs> I don't think it's made out of styrofoam in the myth of the film. No, but I'm talking about the acting. Sure. Yeah. So they, they are trying not to move too violently because they're going to just tear it apart. Yeah. Because they're all buff dudes. Um. So <laughs> to be clear, it is not a rock that would need buff dudes to tear it. All they'd have to do is like flex and exactly. come apart. Yes, but yeah, yeah. um, so they're like trying to look like they're struggling without really doing uh, it, uh. <laughs> and it was awful. Um, it it just took me out of the movie. I mean, there was so much that took me out of this film, but. Every time they came on, I was actually mad. I was actually so annoyed by their terrible acting. This is true. Cass would get visibly angry. I was irate. And um, I was yelling at the screen, actually. <laughs> I don't remember what I was saying. I was just like, I said, why are you fucking acting like that? What is yeah. wrong with you? Cass is going to send the director notes. I'm not a trained actor, and I can fucking do better than that. Um, okay. So that was a terrible moment. Um, it looked like the way Barry Allen vibrates his body to move through <laughs> solid objects and a person without super speed trying to replicate yes, that. Yes, exactly, dude. It was so bad. I was just like... You fools know that every time she comes out here, she's going to choose one of you. Why are you struggling at all? It's random which one of you is going to die. You're all hot. You're all fucked. In more ways than one. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, this movie. This movie. <laughs> I mean, I would almost think that it was French because there's no continuity to it. But um. damn, taking down an entire filmmaking tradition. <laughs> Surrealism and absurdism are proud traditions of cinema. Yeah, you're right. Still, though, uh, I mean, there were clips that didn't match up to anything else that was going on in the moment. It was like they accidentally clipped a few frames of something in there. And forgot about it and just left it in at certain points. Um, it was very disorienting at times. I think it's going to get two out of ten swords for the meta-analysis that Jamie gave it. Turning... Wow, that's a mean score to give my analysis. I we, thought it was better than two. Your analysis is a ten. And this movie was a negative eight. And so we got up to a two. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. good math. Yeah. What about you, Jamie? 
What's your epic moment or feature and your rating from one to ten swords? Yeah, tell us, Jamie. How do I pick just one? <laughs> I was like, how can I pick one? None of us mentioned Electron yet. Xenon? Xenon. Oh, yeah, he was pretty good, actually. If I could do like a Xenon impersonation, I might. He kind of unhinged my brain a little bit. He was one of the more enjoyable parts of the film. He was. And he was a Nazi. Was he, though? I still don't know that he counts as a Nazi. He he had Nazi friends and fashion. Oh, <laughs> oof. Okay. And he did the... Oh, okay. I keep forgetting about that. Yeah. He hit the dab. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care for that description at all. No. You know, choosing through... like This is like picking a favorite child... I think that my epic feature is the entire premise of this movie. Okay. The I, cancellation. I like the cancellation. Oh. I like that this is 23 years later, so we are seeing a civilization that has had time to develop unique features, and there are hallmarks throughout the movie of a lived-in universe. Yes. We are seeing what happens... After a cataclysmic event, I'm going to say an atomic horror. Star and, Trek. <laughs> and kind of the the way that people cope, the way that people look to ideology and community in different ways. And we get a hint at some really brilliant storytelling. We get that like market at the beginning where we were saying that there's like established systems of trade. People have like I said, upcycled and made like new fashion and new kind of a blending of old and new fashion style and like daily livelihood. People are obviously looking to trying to find something larger than themselves, which I don't know if that's an accurate representation of what would happen in this context. I mean, I think to some extent, sure people would be looking for like some kind of spiritual comfort, but the way that, like the Colts pop up so soon. No, actually, I'm beginning to think the way the Colts pop up actually makes a lot of sociological sense. Too. I think it does. So, I mean, I think it really captures the post-apocalypse better than a lot of other movies that do this because there are multiple societies regionally that are doing their own thing and have their own vision and have the schism. Yeah. <laughs> schism. I think it makes sense. You know, one thing that we were robbed of, though, is vampires. Yeah, I mean, we got to have some atomic vampires to go with the atomic werewolves. Yeah. The Underworld series is like the perfect aesthetic to fit into this world. It really is. It's I think true. they could kind of like have that be a side story in a way. Yeah. And it's a series we're covering on the show, so it fits. Yeah, mm -hmm. kind of. We've done two of them in a very weird order. So I think that my epic feature is kind of this whole world building idea that the movie is based on. It's cool. As far as the rating goes, I mean, clearly this is a 10 out of 10 swords, right? This movie is brilliant, as I've said. What? Is it? I'm just kidding. I'm going to give this movie <laughs> 4 out of 10 swords. The ambition of this movie carries it for me. But it is hard to watch. That is one of its defining features, according to the company that shall not be named. That There you go. And I agree. It is ambitious. The problem is that from a filmmaking point of view, it lacks a great deal of sophistication that mm -hmm. other films that it is clearly aping 
had. Because this movie, at the end of the day, is a pastiche of, like, Conan and Mad Max, right? Yeah. But it doesn't... And like we said, the Warriors. And the Warriors. Sorry, and the Warriors. Thank you. It doesn't do any of the things that those individual movies does even competently, unfortunately. The editing is atrocious. There are scenes at the beginning that just are quick cuts to, like, she riding a horse, and then Tom just knocks her off of her horse, but there's no continuity or context for why it's happening. That was so strange. It's super disorienting. And, like, disorienting can be good. Disorienting can take an audience out of a comfort zone and put them into the world of the film. That is not what this does. This is just confusing. Yeah. And kind of annoying. And, I mean, they got Sandal Bergman from Conan the Barbarian fame, who played Valeria, one of our favorite fantasy movies, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, the very first movie we covered on this show, kind of like the movie that is the exemplar of what the 80s brought to the fantasy movie genre And they were clearly just banking on that, like kind of carrying it. And then this kind of Mad Max, the Warriors world. And it just can't hold up under the weight of its ambition. Yeah. And I think that, like, if anything, that makes it more disappointing than anything. Because I really wanted to love this movie. I really went into this saying, like... I'm going to give this the best chance to be a movie that I'd never heard of before that might completely blow me away. I went into this with no expectations because they were so low that they were non-existent. Um, but then there <laughs> it were barely actually, met that. Yeah, but there were actually parts of it that I did like, like the werewolves. Yeah, see? So, I mean, there are a lot of interesting elements in this. They just don't come together, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, that's a nearly flawless rating, four out of ten. Yeah. Uh, and we average a three. Right down the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jack. Well, I think that'll pretty much do it for us here on Swords and Satire. But as always, always, as always, (laughs) very sexual. (laughs) But as always, if you enjoyed the show, maybe consider following us on social media at Swords and Satire on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you did that, why, I'm told from my friendly neighborhood Ravens that wow. you'll be able to keep up with the show, check out our memes, and it's a great way to get in touch with us and let us know what you think about what we do here. That's true. And next week starts off our favorite month of October, and we're going to be watching The Last Witch Hunter for the first movie of the month. What a perfect cure for what we just experienced. It's One of true. my I am going to what's the opposite of burying the lead? Preemption. Burying I'm the go, body. I'm gonna spoil the next episode and say that The Last Witch Hunter is unironically one of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. Looking forward to it. Me It'll too. cure your depression. Yeah. <laughs> Not guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> And like we said, if you're excited about that and you're just excited about our show in general, a great way to support it is to hop on over to our Patreon, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. However, we know that's not exactly viable for everyone who loves our show. So what's another good way you can support us? I'm really glad you asked that in real time with me saying that. Audience is just screaming, what is it? How do we do it? 
you just spread the word. Tell your friends and family about the show. Because if you like it, they like you, maybe they'll like the show too. That's true. Nice. That's good math. You can even watch the things that we watch together and have a bunch of hee-hee-ha-has over our show. That sounds pretty good. That's right, because what better way to enjoy your favorite art than with your favorite people? That's what we do every week. Sounds pretty badass. And you know, here on this podcast, we praise a god, but it's not she. It's not. So, until next time... Hail Crom! A better god for a more civilized era. <laughs> Not one to pray to, though. <laughs> That's true.